All right. Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 26, verses 12 to 20. As I was contemplating on the message that would speak to the children, all the children wave your hands at me. Yes, we're so happy that you're a part of this because we want you to get vision in your heart even at that young age. A message that will also speak to the congregation, an average believer. And a message that will also speak to the students. The Holy Spirit put this word on my heart. Purpose. Purpose. We have also been on a series of spiritual maturity. And this message would probably be the icing on the top of the cake. In a goal of maturity, we are ultimately called to live a life of purpose. So let's begin from verse 12. In this context, Paul is explaining to the King Agrippa his life's testimony. And he says, While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and, and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Verse 16, But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. Everyone say purpose. To make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen, of the things which I will yet reveal to you. And I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you, verse 18, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Verse 19, Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision or the purpose, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to all the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God and do works befitting repentance. Let me tell you a story. One day a man went to a doctor because he was in excruciating pain all over his body. And the doctor asked him, where does it hurt? And this man said, all over. So the doctor told the man to touch his shoulder. So he touched his shoulder and he screamed out in pain. The doctor told him, touch your thighs. He touched the thighs and screamed out in pain. The doctor told him, touch your forehead. He touched his forehead and the man winced in pain. And he said, doctor, everywhere I touch, I'm in pain. So the doctor thoroughly examined the person and the doctor concluded, no wonder you are in pain. Your finger is dislocated. Yeah, we laugh at that story. But do you know that many of us are going through the same thing? You're going through the same thing in your life. Many of you, I know this for sure as a pastor. But just in a different way. 
What do I mean? Many of you feel like everything in your life is going wrong. You can't understand your life. You're in confusion. You're in frustration. You're in pain about the state of your life. Because you feel nothing is going wrong. But let me tell you this. There is only one thing wrong in your life. And this one thing is affecting every other area of your life. And if you don't get this truth, you will continue to be like this man. Not knowing where the pain is coming from. And this one thing is this. Many of you are living a life without purpose. You are living a life without purpose. You are simply going through the motions of day-to-day living. Not knowing why you are here. Why you are born in this land. Why you have those gifts. And you are weighed down by an emptiness of a life without purpose. A life maybe some of you full of luxury and blessings and yet without purpose. So for the Bible school students, for the church, and so for all of us, this is God's word for us today. Purpose. Can you say with me purpose? Live a life of purpose. That is God's message for all of us today. See, the reason for your existence, the reason why you are created, there is a purpose there. The reason God gave you gifts and talents and abilities and resources, the reason you are born in this 21st century and not the 18th century, there is a purpose there. Nothing happens by chance or random mathematical calculations. There's a purpose for your life. And unless you and I find that purpose for our lives, we will live lives without significance and meaning. And let me tell you this, your life's purpose is not measured by what you have done so far. It's not measured by how much you have done, how much you have experienced. Some people are on an endless pursuit of experiencing holidays and food and pleasure one after the other from city to city. Brand name to brand name. But that's not purpose. It's not compared to what you have done. It's not compared to what you experience. It's not compared to what someone else has done and what someone else is doing. Purpose can only be compared to what you have done contrasted with what you are supposed to do. It's not about how much you do, how much you experience, how much you travel. It's about what you are doing compared to what you are truly supposed to be doing in your life. And let me tell you this, unless you find your purpose, you will not find meaning or significance in your life. Purpose will give you focus and direction. Purpose will answer so many questions about, should I do this or should I not do this? It will help you to make wise choices. Purpose will give you strength and purpose. Just a testimony from last week. I'm invited along with my wife to be at the Gateway Conference in Dallas at the end of this month. And I really wanted my wife to come along with me. So we are applying for the U.S. visa, but all visa appointments are blocked because of the COVID pandemic and they haven't really opened it. So 
the chances of my wife joining me is very, very slim. And I really don't want to travel alone because I don't like traveling alone. Being in airports, hours of silence, sitting with strangers, long hours. I hate traveling alone. The truth is that. So I was not going. I was like, ah, I really don't want to travel alone. I can't imagine the long hours, 16 hours inside the plane, sitting at economy, not being able to stretch your feet at the mercy of the air hostesses who treat you like a slave when you are in flying coach <laughs> economy. So I really did not want to travel. So I was thinking, I'm not going to go. But while I was teaching the Bible school students about purpose in the class, I was talking about purpose and suddenly the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, there is a purpose for you to go, so go. The moment God spoke that to me and I saw beyond the inconvenience, I saw beyond the pain of traveling for hours. I saw beyond the loneliness of sitting by yourself and not talking to anyone for hours. There was a strength that came into my heart. There was a power that I began to sense in my heart. And I said, I'm going because there is a purpose for me there. See, purpose will give you that strength to see beyond your pain, to see beyond your circumstance, to see beyond your questions today, to see beyond what is happening in the world today. The destiny, the purpose that God has for you. How can I discover my purpose? Many of you may be asking. Well, let's look at Paul's example. Paul's example. When Paul met Jesus, he also met his life's purpose. Do you see that? When Paul met Jesus, he also met his life's purpose. Listen, he was not purposeless before he met Christ. Did you know that? He was on a journey with determination and focus. It was just the wrong journey. He was under authority. He was on a commission. He was on a mission. It was just the wrong mission. And the result was that he fell to the ground. He was brought low. Many of you are also like Paul. You have a similar story. You were on your own journey, even the Bible school students. You were on your own purpose. It was a wrong purpose. Many of you were also under the authority of your own selfishness, on a mission to sin again and again and again. Even church members, maybe some of you first-timers here today, you are on your own journey, under the authority of your selfishness, on a mission of sin. Let me tell you this. You will be brought low. You will fall to the ground. Just like many of the Bible school students came to this place. Fallen, broken, confused, depressed. Because when you are on your own purpose, let me tell you this, you will fall. Turn to your neighbor and say, you will fall. And that's when Paul met Jesus. You will never discover your life's purpose until you meet God. Because to meet Jesus is also to be introduced to your destiny and your purpose in life. Can you say hallelujah? So the Bible school students came to this place. You came to this church. You came to Kingdom Kids. And God revealed Himself to you. You got saved. You got filled with the Holy Spirit. You came at your lowest point, but God stooped low like He stooped low to Paul. And God wiped the dust of shame and guilt 
of your life. He washed you in His blood. He removed the stain of sin. And then He says to you like He says to Paul, Rise up! Stand on your feet! That same message, He speaks to you. Rise up from your sin and from your shame. I have washed you. I have forgiven you. I have cleansed you. Rise up! Stand on your feet! For I have appeared to you for this purpose. Now the question is, what is this purpose? What is this purpose? There was a time in my life, immediately after I gave my life to the Lord, it was in Singapore, and I experienced the joys of salvation. I was so happy, so full of peace. I'm forgiven of my sins. I have heaven, I have eternal life. I have this assurance that I thought there was no greater purpose than to experience this. But then I've come to understand that God's purpose for my life today is more than just a ticket to heaven and eternity. God's purpose for your life is more than just receiving eternal life. Church, Nagamanukhan, Bhavrebujibi. There was a time in my life after I was filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in tongues, I began to experience the anointing of God, and I began to experience visions and dreams and the supernatural activity of the Holy Spirit, miracles, blessings after blessings. I thought that there is no greater purpose than to experience the miraculous, the supernatural and the power of God. And I was so excited. But I realized this. God's purpose is greater than just a life of comfort and blessings and miracles and, and the supernatural that we experience. It is greater than that. Amen. Then I read Rick Warren's book called The Purpose Driven Life. How many of you have read that book? And I discovered to my great blessing the five eternal purposes of God in the Scriptures. Let me give you an idea of what those four, five purposes are. If you haven't heard of them. Number one is worship. Everyone say worship. Worship. Every human being is created pleasure to God. A life of worship. And that's why the Bible says whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it to the glory of God. Let your life here in church, outside at work, at home, in school, bring glory to God. Can you say amen? Number two is fellowship. We are not created to be islands. We are created to belong to one another. Just as every organ in my body belongs to the whole body, and just as you were not just existing by yourself, you came out of a family, a clan, a tribe, a people, God calls every human being, Christians, to be part of a family. Can you say Amen? Number three is this, discipleship. Discipleship means to grow and to learn from Jesus Christ. So that you become not only a Christian, but a follower of Christ. It's God's will for every Christian to grow and mature. To learn truths and principles, apply them in your life, and to be useful to the body of Christ. Can you say Amen? Number four is this. Service. It's God's purpose for every Christian, young and old, children included, to serve. We serve with our gifts, our talents, our ability, our anointing, our resources. So the reason God gave you a gift is part of the package 
for your calling, for your purpose. And number five is this, mission. Everyone say mission. Evangelism. Everyone say evangelism. The Great Commission. Everyone say the Great Commission. It's to share the gospel to all the world. Discipling them, teaching them, bringing them to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That is God's five eternal purposes for every Christian and for every church and every ministry. Can you say Amen? Hallelujah. And so, this is what I did. I focused my energy and my determination on doing these five purposes as an individual and also as a church. And when we began to do this, our church grew, I grew as a person. But I came to a place where I began to question. And listen to me, listen to me. This will be a revelation for you. I began to question, is God's purpose for us, these five, only in doing these works? Is God's purpose for us only in doing these things? Because if it is, then we will do these five as works, as performance, and we will do them well while missing out on a greater purpose of God. A greater purpose of God. See, listen, students, members, first-timers, kids, it's God's purpose for our life only to do certain things like worship and fellowship, discipleship, serving, and missions. So I end up passing out tracks on the street and I feel happy. I, I go from house to house giving food and I feel excited. I give money to missions and I feel like I've done my purpose. I usher in church, I sing in the choir and we feel like we have done our purpose. So what we do is we end up becoming active in church but we don't see transformation in our lives. We have active churches without transformation. Do you see that? In Nagaland, there's a competition to be active. So we have churches that are so active but they are not becoming. See, is purpose only doing or is there something else? This hit me as a revelation. I tell you, this is the answer for many of you who are so touched by the message of spiritual maturity. There's a purpose to maturity. See, God's purpose is not only relegated to things we do. There is something more. We have to have a vision beyond just doing these five. And I saw it in the Word. Look at verse 16. I have appeared to you for this purpose. And what is the purpose? To make you. Everyone said to make you. Turn to your neighbor and say to make you. To make me. God's purpose is more than just activities. God's purpose is you. You. It's more than just saving you, forgiving you, giving you eternal life. It's more than just healing you, delivering you, blessing you, answering your prayers. More than just anointing you. More than just giving you experiences of encounters with the Holy Spirit. It's more than just pursuing these five activities or five purposes of God as an active, obedient Christian church. It's more than that. God's purpose, ultimately, I see this, it's so basic, it's so simple, but even the church world is missing it. God's purpose is this. Are you ready? To make you a man of God. 
to make you a woman of God. And I tell you, that is greater than just activities. To make you a man and a woman of God. Because the word that God uses, Jesus used here, to be a witness and a minister of the things you have seen and heard and the things that I will yet reveal to you. Do you know that this is describing a Christian who is doing more than just ushering? A Christian who is more than just sitting on the deacon board, playing in the worship band, active in evangelism, passing out Bibles to the Lord. These words are describing a man who has become. Can you say amen? See, these words are describing a believer who is more than just an active Christian, a leader in church. Many times we just define ourselves in the doings and not in the becoming. These words are describing a believer who has gotten so immersed into God. So immersed into the Word, into a life of faith, into a life of prayer. That prayer becomes his very existence. That the Word becomes the only bread for his life. He has become so consecrated to the purpose of God. He has become so deep into love and purpose and commitment towards God. That when you see him, you see beyond the title. You see beyond the leadership position he has. You see beyond the denomination that he is a part of. And you see only one thing. Not active Christian. See, we tell each other, right? He's an active Christian. Yeah, he's an active Christian, but is he a man of God? Well-taught Christians. Well-taught Christians is wonderful. But is there, are they a man or a woman of God? Now, you need to be well-taught to become a man of God. These are all steps to that process. But the ultimate aim that I see in the Scriptures, you see in Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Isaiah, Saul, David, in all of these, Ultimately, whatever God did them, whatever God blessed them, whatever position they had, whatever anointing they had, was to bring them to this place where every one of them became a living example, advertisement of heaven. An advertisement of God. A billboard of the kingdom. To be a man of God and a woman of God. Is God's purpose for your life. That is the goal of all maturity. You can say it another way. Creation is longing for sons of God to manifest. Sons and daughters of God. That's what it is. Every Christian is called to this. Do you know that not everyone will be a pastor? Not everyone will be on the deacon board. Not everyone will be a prophet. Not everyone will be a full-time preacher. So because we think that I will not be a full-time preacher, I set my target very low. Active Christian is the highest for me, right? You set your target very low. Active usher, active musician. No, that's not your target. Do you know that every believer is called to be a man and a woman of God? Imagine how your business would be impacted if you conducted yourself as a man of God in that business. Your job, your office, your, as a bureaucrat. How you will impact that position. 
how it will impact the students in your class when you don't see yourself only as a teacher. That position, that privilege to be a teacher is only a means from God to fulfill your calling. Your calling is not teacher. Your calling is to be a woman of God to the students. Your calling is to be a man of God to your employees. Your calling is to be a man of God to your family. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Do you know that even in ministry, many pastors are not men of God? Ah, now you're getting the point. Many are in full-time ministry, but they are not men and women of God. Many are reverends and doctors, but they are not men and women of God. Because the word men of God is something completely different. It is not something that any church, any seminary, any university can give to you. No one can give you that unless you are possessed by God Himself. Only God can make that. Hallelujah. I'm talking about a man who is so completely possessed by God that everywhere he goes, he's a minister and a witness of the things of God in his life. Can you say Amen? Hallelujah. So, understand this. Many of us thinking God's purpose is this. He wants me to do things. He wants me to go to Nepal. He wants me to go to Assam. He wants me to go here. Yes, that's part of the process. But it's more than just doing things. God's purpose is to make you. Can you say amen? He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you. I will make you. God's target is you. <laughs> you. To make you into a man and a woman of God. Can you say amen? Of course, we do these things. We preach, we serve. But in doing these things, He is making us in the process. Are you with me? As you do these purposes, He makes you. But get this, get this. Don't be so focused on the doing that we are just satisfied in being active. Do you get it? Don't be so focused in the doing that you are satisfied in the works. You are satisfied in the event. You are satisfied in the activity and not going deeper to where the doing is making you. Because let me tell you this. I've been in ministry for many years, over 20. Preaching in the beginning which was so exciting can be very boring. Healing people which in the beginning was so exciting can be very boring. It can get monotonous. Events where national speakers and worship leaders and the Holy Spirit flows, oh, revival, can be very boring if you don't get this vision. And what is this vision? Through all of these things, what am I becoming? What are we becoming as a church? Because let me tell you, the real thrill and the real joy is becoming a man and a woman of God. That's the real thrill, I tell you, about following Jesus. It's not all the doing. The doing is fine. God uses the doing to change you. But ultimately, it's about who you become. When you pursue a life of deep prayer, and God begins to reveal things to you about nations, 
about governments, about people. God gives you wisdom and you're in prayer. And as you're in prayer, God imparts into you authority. God imparts into you spiritual experiences and encounters to where when you come out, you live life at a different level. You're always full of peace. You're never disturbed by the news. You're never disturbed by what you see on TV. Some of you here in church, hallelujah, praise the Lord. When you go and watch TV, all your hallelujahs are gone. Oh, what are we going to do? Inflation, inflation, inflation. What does inflation mean to a man of prayer? Come on, think. Oh, 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 this is happening here. Persecution is happening here. Oh, Antichrist is happening. We don't know. Illuminati. Oh, oh, oh. A man of prayer, what difference does it make? Right? Satan can throw everything he has at you. But a man of prayer. Now listen, you don't have to be a pastor to be a man of prayer. You don't have to be an evangelist to be given permission to pray. And the engineer can pray. Businessmen can pray. Kingdom kids can pray. Teacher can pray. So that's what I'm talking about. A man and a woman of God. That you so immerse yourself into a life of prayer. You're consecrated to truth. You're consecrated to the things and the purpose of God. And you are there to live for God. I tell you, you will live life different. Amen. You will have a peace that people will envy. You will have wisdom that people don't know where you got it from. You will have insight into problems that people will be shocked. You will know of things even before they occur. Hallelujah. And no matter what problem, what difficulty will come into your life, it will not affect you. Because you are man of God. A man of God. Money, sex, lust, sins, they'll be under your feet. I tell you, imagine how that kind of a life can impact your whole life, your existence as a father, as a mother, as a teacher, as a businessman. That's more exciting than being pastor, I tell you. Amen. When your life is so full of the presence of God and God's grace is so heavy on you so that everywhere you go, miracles and favor and doors are open and people around you are shocked. Wow, I don't understand. Whenever I travel with you, everything is so smooth, everything. Even when there's problems, things get solved. And you know, I can't understand but being with you, I feel like I'm close to God. I feel like I'm close to heaven. That kind of a man and a woman is who you are created to be. Hallelujah. A living advertisement of heaven. Not your denomination. Not your church. A man of God. Isn't this exciting? To be a man of God. Because a man of God means a man who has come from God. From God. His wisdom is from God. His power is from God. His peace is from God. The word of means source, origin. 
Don't go out there and only advertise your Naga identity whenever you preach. Because we think the only way people around the world can accept us if we share about our headhunting stories. I don't want to go with headhunting stories to the world. I want to go with God on my life and carry revival to the nations. I don't want to go with stories about Clark as much as we honor him. I don't want to go with stories about 50s revival, 60s revival, 70s revival. I, I want to go with I being the witness. Not witnessing about the people in the past. I am the witness. That's what God says. You will be a witness. Your life will be the story. You will be the revival. In other words, God's purpose is more than what you do. It's you. You are the purpose. Purpose is who you become. Can you say Amen? Hallelujah. Such a man. Look at verse 17. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Such a man will always be delivered from all his enemies, from every power of darkness. Look at verse 18. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Such a man will always carry the kingdom wherever he goes. In his words, there's kingdom. In his love, there's kingdom. In his prayer, there is kingdom. In his fellowship, there is kingdom. He's just an alien man, alien. How nice to be an alien from heaven. Amen. That's what we are. We're all aliens. You didn't know that? You didn't know that? This is your new identity. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm an alien. Yes. The Bible says we are aliens and strangers. This world is not a We are from heaven. You're an alien. So advertise the place where you come from. Amen. Hallelujah. It's more than just being a reverend, a doctor, a pastor, an evangelist. God's purpose. Bible school students. Above all things that you do, go and be a man and a woman of God. Members, young people, keep that as your target. Even as much as we are active and we're doing things of the ministry, God's ultimate purpose for each and every one of us is to build a man and a woman of God. It's more than just building reverence and doctors. It's building men and women of God. More than just building specialists who are good in leadership, building specialists who are good in evangelism. That is a very Western concept of doing church where we have created specialists of leadership who don't pray. That's not what God wants. We have specialists who will teach about a subject, but they have no spiritual life. They have no prayer life. That is not God's purpose. Oh, if every one of us will become a man and woman of God like Abraham, like Moses, like Joshua, how we will shake the whole world, I tell you. Because the early church shook the nations, not with seminars and conferences and worship concerts. They shook the nations just by being who they are. 
Amen. Hallelujah. Are you blessed today? If you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time, effort, and money to do it. So the support of people such as you will enable us to reach more people in more regions. Remember, when you give, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you, always having all sufficiency, all things, may have an abundance of every good work. If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com and visit our website www.faithharvest.in and you can go to the giving section. You can also give through this UPI ID 700 at Paytm. God bless you and thank you so much for your generosity.